I want to thank you uh, for being so attentive and being here every Sunday during the Ten Commandments. You know what I mean? Like, it's like you know that the hand of God is going to be like, you know what I mean? Like, don't. You know what I mean? So I'm wondering, like, at what point, in fact, I'm trying to think in my flesh. Can I do that for a second? I'm thinking in my flesh as a pastor. I'm thinking, now, I know what things people don't want to hear when they don't show up on that Sunday because they can count. They know what's coming up. You know what I mean? And so I'm hoping no one's going to miss next week because we're talking about adultery. So y'all make sure y'all here because I look around and be like, where they go? Uh, I don't want to think that way. But let me just honestly say how much it means for you to be here, and not only, I mean, because I know the summer is a, is, a, is a season for church where people are traveling, they're busy, and uh, at some point you get tired of saying ouch because you can't say amen. You know, I, I get all of that. I, in fact, I had a pastor friend who uh, was preaching on a series much like the Ten Commandments. It was a difficult one, and he had people in his church come to him and say, hey, pastor, I love you, love this church, uh, but I'll be back when the series is over. <laughs> See you later, you know, because it was just too much, and so... Um, I want to say thank you very much for being here and allowing the word to hit me. I don't know about you, but when I go to the doctor, I don't want the doctor to tell me, Scott, I know you're here for uh, what's wrong, but I just want to tell you this. I want, I want you to know that you got great blood pressure and your, and your, and your toes are clean. That's what I want you to know. I, I want you to know those two things. When I go to the doctor, I want to know what's Say it again. What's wrong? And so when I go to the Word, I want to know what's wrong, right? I don't need the Word just to pat me on my back. I, I know I got some stuff. And so when we come to the Word, I'm asking for the Word to show me some sinful attitudes, right? Some wrong attitudes, some sinful behaviors, some areas in my life I need to improve. And, uh, and that's what I love about the Word because the Word cares that I can be better and do better and bring God more glory. And so um, thank you for uh, just marching on with me. Do y'all know why Jesus fed the 5,000? Y'all not real good at these question things, huh? He, he fed the 5,000 because, because they were hungry. They were hungry. I'm asking, is anybody hungry this morning? Mm. A lot of malnourished people in this congregation this morning. <laughs> Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for your word. Pray, God, that no one leaves out of here today, Father, without being um, encouraged and challenged, Lord. I'm so thankful that your word, Father, really is a scalpel. God, you are a surgeon on our heart, removing everything inside of us, God, that would cause us to die. And I ask God today, Lord, if there be anything, Father, that, our, that your word, God, points out, Lord, I pray Open our hearts, God, that we willfully, with open hands, say, God, search me. Search me, oh God. I want my life to bring you the most glory possible. I ask you to do it in Jesus' name. Amen. Exodus chapter 20, verse 13. We're on the sixth commandment today. Somebody know what that is? Thou shalt not. See, I always grew up thinking it was kill. You ain't supposed to kill. And so I'm looking at everything like, you ain't supposed to kill that tarantula. That's wrong. You know, you're not supposed to kill. And so, uh, because some, uh, my, that's how my grandma brought me up. You're not supposed to kill. But actually, when you look at it, it says, you, you shall not murder. So the question is, is what does murder really mean? What does that mean? Uh, so we can kind of create some clarity in terms of what we're really talking about. Uh, because the word rasa simply means this. When the word says, 
we shall not murder, we shall not murder. It means to kill without legal justification. So that means it's, it's not taking into consideration capital punishment because capital punishment is already, is already dealing with um, the, the idea of legal justification. In fact, I think over 30, I think 37 times to be accurate, um, the Lord commands capital punishment uh, if you do certain things. Another thing that the, this word is not dealing with, it's not talking about killing in the midst of war. Uh, in fact, uh, as you kind of get into this, you realize the Lord oftentimes meant that killing in war was, was permissible because it was a just act. In fact, if I could just bring your attention to Luke uh, chapter 3, verse 14, these soldiers come to Jesus because they're asking, how can we escape hellfire and brimstone? How can we escape judgment? And Jesus says to them, so the soldiers ask him, and what shall we do? How do we escape this judgment? And he said to them, do not extort money from anyone by threats or by false accusation and be content with your wages. So what did Jesus say? He did not say, drop the swords, otherwise you're going to hell. He didn't say that. He said, don't use those swords to extort people. So we know it's not war, and then neither is it accidental killing or manslaughter, uh, considering murder. It's something that happens accidentally. Deuteronomy 19.5 uh, addresses this. It says, as when someone goes into the force with his neighbor to cut wood, and his hand swings the axe to cut down a tree, and the head slips off the handle and strikes his neighbor so that he dies, he may flee to one of the cities and live. Can I tell you, number one, why are you swinging with that kind of axe? That you, know, you know when the head is loose. You, know, you don't swing those axes like that. But if it does come off, hypothetically, and hits your neighbor in the head, just know you can flee to a city and plead your case and say, I did not mean for that to happen. And so we are not covering that aspect either when it comes to you shall not murder. But also there's one type of accidental killing that is considered murder and it is punishable by death. Turn with me to Exodus chapter 21, verse 22 to 24. Scripture says that when men strive together and hit a pregnant woman so that her children come out, but there is no harm the one who hit her shall surely be fined as the woman's husband shall impose on him. So if the, if the woman got hit and there's no harm to the baby, then they get fined and then it's all good. But, but if there is harm, then you shall pay life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, and foot for foot. So whatever misfortune that you caused this baby because of your accidental um, uh, carelessness in, in your striving and your fighting with each other, the Lord says that whatever you've done to that child shall be done to you. Now imagine if abortion was that way now. That whatever you do to that child, the same will be done to you. That would not go well. We probably would not have an abortion issue uh, if that was the case. And let me just address Roe versus Wade because I don't want to take too much time today to talk about that. Because to me, Roe versus Wade is a big issue that we do need to discuss. But today, I'm not aiming at men's actions. I'm dealing with the heart. And so as we look at Roe versus Wade, you might say, Pastor Scott, where do you, where do you stand on all of this? Well, you should know that uh, today by the end of my preaching where I stand with Roe versus Wade, some of y'all might be lucky and guess. I'm not sure. But I also know that the word tells us both in sentiment and commandment how we're supposed to address that. And so we're going to look at um, uh, how the Lord deals with murder, ultimately for us, we should understand that abortion is wrong because murder is wrong. We're going to learn about that today. Uh, and any murder that is taken without legal justification is, is wrong. And you say, well, 
legal justification. How does that work? So just know that we are first bound to the laws of the land, but we are not outside of the laws of God's character. We are always bound to his character to do the right thing. And so let me just plainly put out there in front of us today that murder is wrong because it redefines the value in a human life that only God can define. Only God can define. And so that is our premise today as we go forward. Let's talk about the value of life. The Bible is often uh, given a bad rap and used, twisted out of context when it talks about taking the human life. In fact, there's a scripture there that uh, uh, a big atheist made popular. It was called Drunken with the Blood of uh, Drunken with the blood of arrows. And it talks about the Lord sending arrows as a form of punishment. And he says, I will make my arrows drunk with blood. And so people thought, this God is a horrific, bloodthirsty God. Um, and you know what? Even if we were to admit and say absolutely he was, the thing was is that the blood that you bleed is the one that he gave. <laughs> you know, like when it comes down to it, I don't know if y'all ever did this before, but back in the day I had some G.I. Joes. Uh, the ones with the feet welded together. You know what I mean? Look like the little green army men, but they weren't green army men. And so they were my G.I. Joes, and we would play together, and I would decide sovereignly what they would do and what they would not do. And there were times when I put my little G.I. Joe in the pilot, sorry, Mom, in the pilot of the flame of the water heater, you know, and he would burn. But that was his punishment because he, he was a traitor, and he switched sides and sold secrets. And so I burned him. That was the lesson. You better learn. Learn loyalties early in life. But that G.I. Joe didn't have any right to say other than that because I was his owner. I possessed him. I was sovereign over his life. And if I wanted to burn him, I could burn him because he belonged to me. And so such is the Lord. He could, if he wanted to, judge us in that way. But also know that the heart of the argument in terms of God and the Bible over human life is really in the difference of opinion about murder and how murder views the human life. This is how um, the world really views human life in the ancient times. Men were worth more than women because it was an economy where men would go work and women couldn't work in that, that same way and children couldn't either. And so Man was valuable, more valuable because of his economic value. Free men were more, were more worth than slaves because of their economic value. And so the value of a life was really determined by that person's economic value. In these surrounding countries, the punishment for murder was always determined by the monetary value of the victim. How much is that person worth? That would determine their punishment for murder. Children were often put to death because of... Um, because of their parents' wrongs, their parents' sins. Sometimes whole families were completely murdered because of the sin of the father. And at the book of Daniel, you guys remember the book of Daniel, right? When Daniel was thrown into the lion's den. Well, when the king realized that the, um, uh, the politicians or the, offici the officials had tricked the king and, put, and got Daniel in, the, in there, he pulled Daniel out and said, now throw those same officials and their families into the lion's den. And so this was the normal way of justice in the world's view. But God's people did not operate that way. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 24, verse 16. Here is how we work and how we function in God's economy of human life. He says in verse 16, Fathers shall not be put to death because of their children, nor shall children be put to death because of their fathers. Each one shall be put to death for his own Sin. And so what we see is that value 
and worth is not determined by man or any other value because it has already been determined by God. So we don't have the, we don't have the right to redefine that. So if our, if our value and our worth is determined by God and not by any other, any other uh, earthly measure that, that man has, then what can we conclude about murder? Here's what we know. That murder is wrong because all human life has value and meaning. For all humanity is in the image of God. That's what we have to know. That murder is wrong because God says this has life and this has value and you are made in my image. And so when you attack my creation, you attack my image. And that is wrong. And that's it. Sixth commandment. We're done. How many of you guys are like, Thank the Lord. I've been tired of being guilty every week. Y'all ready to go home? Morgan, if you'll come up. Just, no, wait a minute. Y'all want to go a little deeper? Y'all want to go a little deeper? All right, let's go deeper. Go ahead and curl your toes up a little bit. <clears throat> John 10.10. 10. We should know that this, that the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it more abundantly. The enemy comes to steal our relationship with God. He comes to kill the life that we have in God and destroy God's image in man on earth. When we look at ter uh, terrorists and suicide bombers and assassins and, uh, in fact, crazed leaders like Hitler and Mussolini and Pol Pot and Stalin and those types of people, what we see is that, that Satan uses those people to attack and, and destroy God's people, destroy his image. But Christ says, I've not come for any other thing concerning life but to give life. I've not come to take life. I've come to give life. And that give life is so important to you and I because we're not just talking about actions. We're now moving into the origin of those actions. Where do those things come from? I want you to know that during a time when people, uh, their life and their value as a human, was decided by the system. The system decided if you were valuable or not. During this time, Jesus steps onto the platform of humanity and says, let me flip the whole thing upside down. He says, let the children come to me. And he begins to see those who are less than, the least of these. As you've done unto these, you've done unto me. Jesus begins to flip everything around. Did you know that colleges and, and hospitals where, where the origin was found in Christ's words, that it was because of Christ and his teachings that colleges were instituted, that, that hospitals were instituted, health education and stuff like that, because the, here's how they saw it. They knew it back a long time ago that not everyone had accessibility to have good health. Not everyone had access to education. But if we really believe that all of us are made in the image of our creator, then all of us are actually equal. And so, yes, that person deserves education too. That person deserves a hospital and health care too. And so people begin to build these institutions because they understood the mandate that all men were created in Christ's image and that there was no greater or lesser but all were the same all were paid for by his blood and so this is the origin so if God's words led us to a blessing like this let's continue on in obedience to his word Matthew 5 21 through 22 has some of Jesus words concerning murder he says you have heard 
that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder. And whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother uh, will be liable to judgment. And whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. And whoever says, you fool, raka, will be liable to the hail of fire. Notice this, that, that Jesus Christ actually equates anger and insults to your brother or your sister equal to that of murder. Now, we all know this, and all of us want to act like, amen, that's, that's true, Pastor. That's real true. I feel sorry for those people. God rest, God help them. God grace be upon them. Lord, I pray, Lord. But we all know, because every one of us got a tongue in here. We know that that fire is set on our mouth, and that in right past our lips is a world of evil. And so what Christ is wanting us to know is that anger in our hearts, anger in our hearts that attempt to redefine the value of human life is equal to that of murder because that's what anger does. Anger redefines your value. How can, I, how can I be angry at you when I hold you in high esteem? What I have to do is pull down who you are and reassign your value so I can say they're worth it. I'm justified in my hate. I'm justified in my bitterness. I'm just, justified in how I feel. Why? Because they're less than what they should be. If they were acting like they should be, if they were acting like their value of the creator, I wouldn't have this problem. But because they're lesser, I got this issue. That's why I'm angry. And we redefine the value that God gave them who that was found in the image of their creator. And this is where the whole thing comes into play. And so we say, well, oh, Pastor Scott, I don't know about that. Well, let me tell you what. Some of us. We experience a redefining of value in people's lives when we stay behind the wheel, <laughs> right? Right? Them idiots. Dude, who taught you? How stupid can... People! You know what I mean? Like, you know, you know, it's in your heart. You may not be saying it out loud, but you know that you're in your mind and in your spirit. You're trying to be holy and have your pharisaical robe on, but in your mind, you're like, how can they be so? How can they be so? How can they be so other than what God created them to be? And we deal with that, and some of y'all may not struggle behind the wheel, but maybe you struggle behind the keyboard. Oh, oh, ooh. Mm. Let's say one more thing about my beliefs. Talk, talk again about my family. Talk about my president. <laughs> talk, you know what I mean? We, we get there. We get there. And, and be, for some reason, I, I was talking with someone the other day, and I said, I believe, that the, I believe that Facebook is more powerful than the Holy Spirit because Facebook actually empowers people to do things they cannot do. <laughs> the Holy Spirit's like, well, if you want me, I'll use you. But the face, Facebook's like, no, you can do it. You can do it. You can do it, you know? And we do, we get behind that keyboard and Facebook and social media, we feel like, oh, I, I've got a PhD and I know what I'm talking about. And you don't know nothing because you're a dumb fool and you're an idiot and you're stupid and you're less than. Mm -mm, mm -mm, mm -mm. Right in the back. Because they ain't watching your post when it goes up. They come back, realize they got a knife in the back. Murder doesn't start with the hands. It starts with the heart. And so when we as Christians make social media posts that use violent hyperboles, 
I wish he'd come to my house and try that. You might leave with a couple slugs in your back. Uh, yeah, I, I would throat punch someone who ever tried to do like that to my life. You know what I mean? We, we, we use hyperboles, extremes. But what we're doing is we're just kind of airing out our heart. It's a way for us to vent that out. I don't know that's the greatest thing in the world. And the funny thing about social media messages is that they're never really interpreted through the intent of the author. <laughs> you know, they're interpreted through the worldview of the reader. So we have to pay attention to what we say. Because, in fact, we are representing Christ <laughs> to a lost world. So let's talk about man's view of life. How does man view life? Anybody ever struggled with vengeance ever before? You can raise your hand. You can raise your hand. Pastor, pastor's raising his hand. You can raise your hand. If there's one thing I've always struggled with uh, is, is, is the, uh, if I can say it nicer, is the idea of getting back. That's, 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 that feels better. That feels better. I want to say vengeance, you know. I'm not that murderous, but the getting back. And, and vengeance really is this. It's the act of punishing or exacting retribution for a wrong done against you. Have you ever had a- anger fantasies before? Uh, I, I, <laughs> mm, just in your mind. Uh, uh, dads, dads, have you ever watched Taken before? Then you had anger fantasies. Come to my house, grab my daughter, see what's going to happen. When you walk, I would cut the, you know what I mean? You, you know. You know, because there's something inside of us that says, oh, I ain't they sanctified yet. I, I still got a little part of me that Jesus ain't worked out just yet. And there's a part of us that's true. We're telling the secret of our life. That we still have something inside of us. I, I, I've mentioned this before, but. Growing up on a Sunday morning, I would run home. I was so excited for 1230, Channel 7, William, Channel 7. You know what's on Channel 7, 1230? Kung Fu Theater. <laughs> that was my stuff. That was my st- I watched that Kung Fu Theater. I was loving that stuff. And I'd run home. I couldn't wait because Kung Fu Kung Fu embraced the idea that when the little man was beat up, he would find a sensei. And when he found that sensei, he would come back to repay all that was due to the bully, you know? And so, and, and I loved it because, man, I was like, that's me, that's me, that's me, that's me, that's me. All those guys that pick on me in school, I'm going to go one of these days, one of these days, one of these days, I'm going to find them, and I'm going to cut their head off. You know what I mean? That's... And so, I love kung fu. Always, I've always loved martial arts. And so, as I was growing up, I just still love kung fu because, really, it's just you know, it really identifies with me because of the vengeance that's happening on TV, you know. And so, uh, and so, as I see it happening, the Lord, one day I was on, uh, I was going down Netflix and I was looking for the Asian action, and uh, and I was scrolling through, scrolling through, like Reddit, Reddit, Reddit. You know, I, I, when I say Reddit, I actually have Reddit because you. You have to read the subtitles. I don't know, you know, what they say. So, um, and so I'm going through there, and, and the Lord said, no. And I was like, no. You, you ever hear the Lord, and you're like, that's not the Lord. That's not the Lord. Why would the Lord tell me not to brush my teeth? That can't be right, you know? And so the Lord just tell me, no. And I'm like, Lord, what, 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 do, what do you mean, no? That's not God. And he says, listen, stop watching those movies because you're struggling with vengeance from watching those movies because you still have unforgiveness with your dad. Oh, dad. Oh, let's don't say that out loud, God. I know, I know I got problems, but don't just call it out. You know, like, let's deal with this at the altar, not while I'm surfing Netflix. And so the Lord showed me a very interesting understanding there. 
And he says, Scott, when you watch those movies, um, what you do is you're just conditioning your heart. You're conditioning your heart. Because as I watched that movie, here's what happened with me is I would identify with the victim. And as I identify with the victim, I would become emboldened in his, in his progress and his growth to defend himself, to go get back the honor for his family. And then when he would murder the, um, uh, the villain, I stood with him justified. That's right. He deserved that. He deserved that. You better be lucky. I didn't know your family either, you know. And so we stood in that moment, and it's just a movie. You know, it's just a movie. I would never go do that, but my heart don't know that. You see, my heart don't know it's a movie. My heart don't know it's just music. It's just a song. My heart don't know that. My heart don't know it's a video game. My heart don't know that, right? My heart don't know it's just social media. And all of a sudden, I'm in real life in a real situation, my heart doesn't know there's a difference because I've conditioned it to respond and react and be ready that if I came to a place where murder was a possibility and a need in a heartbeat, I would do it and not think twice about it. That I would kill and not even contemplate the value of human life of that person who, though he was lost, he could be redeemed. That he was like me in search of grace but didn't know how to get to it just yet. And my actions in my life sure didn't show him the way because I was redefining his value, I was murdering him. And so the Lord taught me that, 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 that my heart doesn't understand. It just knows it's being conditioned to respond to a given situation. And that situation is to disregard the sanctity of human life. But what is God's view? Here's what's God's view. Look at Genesis chapter 9, verse 6. It says, whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed. For God made man in his own image. Verse 6 is, is a, a poetical device. Uh, they call it cosmos, and what that simply means is that if you'll pay attention, it's actually reversing the sentence structure. Whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed. And it's also the same in syllables. Whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed. Seven. So, so all of that is very poetical, and the reason is, is to draw your attention because they didn't have highlights, they didn't have bowls, they didn't have exclamation points and quotes. So what they did was they used a poetical device to say this is very, very attention, and then when they break that, when they break that structure, that sentence is the most important thing to pay attention to. For God made man in his own image. And so he's explaining to you, the Lord is simply saying the words of Moses here. He's saying, Remember this. Memorize this. For God made man in his own image. So the murder is not just the claiming of a man's life for your own possession, but even greater, it's the denial of God appearing in the world in its most universal form. Because if, if you and I are the image of God, then God is appearing to the world through us universally. He is, he is saying, this is my, he is made in my image. This is how I am present in a more, uh, uh, more image way, a more uh, visual way. Because we see we are made in God's image. So simply murder is simply this. Murder is denying God has right over his creation, that he longs to use us to display and exemplify himself. And when we murder, we deny God the right over his creation. For both man bears the image of God and the authority of God that was given. For some time ago, I remember I was studying uh, 
uh, some po apologetics for evolution. And I ran across the story of Darwin on the Fiji Islands. And Darwin was looking at the Fiji Islands, and he was uh, paying attention to a tribe. And he said, this tribe here at the Fiji Islands is the lowest of all human life. There is none like them. He has watched many uh, charity, non, uh, charitable institutions come in and try to reform these people, but they all died at the hand of the Fiji uh, tribe. And so he realized that these people not only hate outsiders, but they hate themselves as well, and that these people would eventually evolve out of human uh, cycles because they were just a complete less than. In fact, you could buy a, a musket or you could buy a slave from the island of Fiji for seven bucks. Um, and so this, is, this was his viewpoint. But then Darwin also noticed something different as well. There was these things called missionaries, Christians, that came in. And they covered the island. Right now there's over 1,200 the island of Fiji. They covered the island, and they began to reform a civilization that was seen to be lost. In fact, Darwin said this. He said, no other institution outside of Christianity is able to reform a completely lost man and value and make him worthwhile to that of civilization once again. That's what Darwin said about Christianity because he saw it with his own eyes. And so what we see is, is this, is the reason why that they went from a $7 human being to a human being you can't even pay for 7 million bucks and get one is this, 1 Peter 1, 18 through 19. Peter writes, knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things, manly things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. I want you to know this morning that we are simply not just masterpieces of his handiwork. We're not here just to bear the image of God to a lost world, but we also have the, the shed blood of Jesus placed so high of a value upon us that this is who we are when we choose to murder. We choose to take the blood of Christ and empty it out when we redefine value. So murdering is denying the appearing of God in creation. Murder is claiming to be God's great enough to overtake God's sovereignty and redefine man's value. And now murder is also proclaiming that Christ's blood means nothing. And by extension, his death meant nothing when we murder. And those are very serious implications. Let me remind you, Matthew 5, 21 through 22 says this. You shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that you, you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. So if the Lord is equating murder and anger in our heart towards our brother, here's what he is saying. He's saying that when you are angry with your brother, you claim to be a God so great as to overtake God's sovereignty and redefine man's value. He says that when you have anger in your heart towards your brother, he says you have you proclaim Christ's blood to be worthless and his death meaningless. Those are huge implications because the very thing that you and I are saved by and saved for uh, for Christ's blood and, and unto his our own cross like his is is the thing that we're robbing and emptying out for somebody else. Wow, all of that is in a heart of anger. Now. Let me just clarify really fast. Pastor Scott, do you mean that all anger is that way? No. No, not all anger is that way. But anger that empties out someone's value, that redefines someone's value, is murder. Jesus was angry. 
And you know that we can be angry and sin not. So not every form of anger is wrong. But anger that takes someone from here and empties their value out so they can be here so you can justify your actions is that murder. But the Lord has asked us to be a life giver. So how do we become a life giver? What is our response towards humanity? Jesus says this. John chapter 13, verse 34 through 35, he says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you are also to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. And then Paul echoes this in Romans 13, 13, 8. He says this. Notice how he expands this, actually. He says in verse 8, Oh, no one anything except to love each other. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law for the commandments. You should not commit adultery. You should not murder. You should not steal. You should not covet. And any other commandment are summed up in this word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. That is huge. That you fulfill the whole law when you have love for one another. Before we wrap up today, I want you to see a couple things first. Notice this, that in John 13, 35, it says, By this all people will know, everyone's going to know, that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And then Romans 13, 10 says, Love does no wrong to a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfilling of the law. What we see is this, is that the very image of God in creation has been made to appear before people when we love one another. So when people try to deny the very existence of God, when you love one another, we are proclaiming to them through his very appearance, this is how we know God is real, by our loving. We're loving. We're making, we're making God known because we're fulfilling the law. As if I love one another, I'm fulfilling the law, and the law speaks to the lawgiver. And so this is how important it is for you and I to love people past their offenses towards us as we're proclaiming. God in every situation. In fact, it's this appearing of God that allowed him to leave heaven because he loved us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And so this love allows him to appear before creation and redeem creation. And then he walks through and fulfills the law. And that love allows us to stand before God having fulfilled the law and having relationship with God. This is not just a command that's given, but this is a command that's demonstrated. So let me ask you this question. Is where do you stand? today? Where do you stand? In all of this, let me ask you, Proverbs 18, 21 says, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. Death and life are in our tongues, and those who love it will eat its fruits. So what are you feeding yourself? What's coming from your heart? What's being spoken? Luke 6.43 says this, For no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. For each tree is known by its own fruit. For figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor grapes picked from bramble bush. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaks. Jesus is very plain telling us, if you know, if you want to know, if you want to know if you're a life giver or a life taker, inspect the fruit of your words. 
What is the fruit of your words? When you walk around in your day-to-day, you're talking to your family, you're talking to your boss, your co-workers, whatever it might be. What is the fruit of your words? Because that's what you're nourishing yourself with. That's what Proverbs 8.21 says. That's what you're eating. And we all, you, you know that you, you are what you eat. So what are your words? Can I ask you today, what does your fruits say about you? Because the Lord is using us to declare to a lost world that he has come. And we know that he has come because we can see the love that we have for one another. So are you a murderer or are you a life giver or a life taker? Jesus is asking us to be like him. And he says, I have come that you may have life. Everyone loves when that certain person walks into the room and their words are life-giving. You know, you just love when that person's in the room. Like, man, I want to be around that guy all the time. I want to be around her all the time because, man, she's just like constantly encouraging. Some people have that gift, and some people it just comes real easy to them. It's just who they are. They're just full of life. And I've never heard someone say, I don't want to be around that person. They're too happy, <laughs> you know. In fact, with, the more negative you are, the more you find that you be around those people. In fact, if you, if you really look at it, you realize in marriages, if the woman is real outgoing, the man's kind of grumpy. <laughs> you, you ever noticed it before? And if the, the man's a real just, you know, encourager, and she's kind of, you know, not, not that, you know. <laughs> so it's wonder how that, how that works. Jesus is saying, don't be like the world. Be a life giver. And I want, you to say, I want you to know this as well, is that I know this world frustrates us. It's difficult to not reassign people's value or redefine their value when they hurt us. Whether it's a spiritual hurt or an emotional hurt or even a physical hurt. Any type of abuse strikes at our flesh and makes us say, mm, that's, I can't love that. I can't be nice to that. I can't honor that. And I want you to know that that's a real thing. When people attack our values in this world, when people come after us and, and say, no, you, you sh- that's, that's not right. When people say, no, 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 uh, marriage is a man and a man. No, 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 women have a right over their body. They can kill the baby if they want to. And it attacks our values. When we know that there are thousands of, you know, people coming across the border and infringing on our life, it's real easy for us to redefine people's value. And say, that's not right, that's not right. But let me just remind you of a few things really, real fast. Is that number one, that you and I are made in the image of God. And that that person also is made in the image of God. And because of that, we are equal first and foremost. Because the only difference that there is when you and I stand before the Father is that either I am covered in blood or I lack it. It's the only difference really in humanity is that you're either covered or you're not. And so remember that first. The second thing is simply this, is regardless of their actions or their offense or transgressions against you, my job is that I am not to act like Scott needs to act For I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. For the life he gave me, he gave me by his son who loved and died and gave himself for me. I don't get to live. I got to let Scott die. Because the life I now have is his. Ask yourself, literally, 
what would Jesus do in terms of his love and his forgiveness? In fact, the disciples asked this same question. Lord, how, how often we are to forgive these people? Easy. Infinity times infinity. Continually. And that's not an easy thing to do. But just know that our job is to represent Christ to a dying and lost world. And so this morning, I want to ask you, is who is it that's offended you? That you may have not murdered with your hands. I hope that's not the case. But who is it in your heart? Who is it that you took that value and you redefined it because you had to be justified in how you viewed them? Would you stand with me this morning? I want to ask two questions as we open the altars up this morning. When I woke up this morning, I really just had one vein of thought I was thinking, but then I felt the Holy Spirit really just prick my heart and say, Scott, I need you to address a couple things. And so I'm going to ask you to come to the altar on two, two bases. The first one is simply this. I want to ask you, is who, who hurts you? We talk about those who murder, but there are some of us in here that who have been murdered. Words came at us. It seemed like day after day after day, the words were a barrage to you. And your spirit and your emotion, and you felt like your value was redefined. You used to be this, but now for some reason you can't escape the hurt that someone has caused. And so sometimes, often, most times, the most pain we really receive is the words that people put in our ears, in our, in our hearts. So this morning, if you have been murdered, if you're the victim of someone who robbed you of your worth physically or emotionally, I want to open up the altars today because I believe the Lord said, Scott, it's time for me to redefine their worth again and remind them of who they are. And then some of us have said, Pastor Scott, if I'm honest, I've allowed things to condition my heart and I've murdered and it wasn't my intent to do so. I really loved that person. I really cared for them. I just, in a way and in a moment, said things because I let my heart be conditioned by this world. And I, and I, I tore someone down. And I don't know how to tear them back up or, or build them back up. And so if that's you, if you've hurt or if you've been hurt, I'm going to pray and then I want you to come after that. Lord, in heaven right now, I pray that you prepare our hearts. God, I know, God, there are people here this morning. And I know the enemy, God, is speaking right now as we stand. And he does not want us to come down and to allow you to address the heart that is broken and emptied of its value. But, Lord, I pray that we would bind his voice because you have work to do in their hearts today. Lord, we also hear the enemy, God, justifying the reason why we said those things, the reason why we did those things. I pray, Father, that we would not succumb to 
empty justifications, but God, we would come down here and say, oh Lord, search me today. Pray God you would search our hearts and make us right, forgive us of our sins, and allow us, Lord, to love and build each other up. Father, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you come?